You're listening to the Arise Church Podcast. We are an Acts 29 church in Ventura, California, where we exalt Christ, embrace community, and engage culture. Find out more info or hear more sermons at our website, ariseventura.com. Thanks for listening. Lord, thank you this morning that we uh, can come back to uh, the book of James that you have preserved for us for over 2,000 years and uh, brought it to us to to today um, for our encouragement and uh, our uh, our challenge. God, I pray that you would use this morning's message and meditation uh, to propel us forward in all that we are called to do in uh, working out our faith and even experiencing and enduring the hardships that come at us unexpected and oftentimes in unavoidable ways. Lord, um, we commit this time to you and ask that you would work supernaturally in ways that um, technology can't frustrate, uh, a nervous preacher can't frustrate, uh, and and even the children among us uh, could be impacted by Lord. May your Spirit use uh, your word this morning for your glory. In Jesus' name, Amen. All right. So uh, I started reading the Book of Proverbs in 2008 in search of wisdom. I had a mentor who told me that. A proverb a day keeps the foolishness away, <laughs> just like an apple a day keeps the dentist away. And I was the kind of person that was running from pillar to post, always asking people, what should I do? What do you think? How uh, does this work? And it wasn't until that individual, my mentor, my barber at the time, turned the clippers off. And he said, you know what, Steve, I've been reading the book of Proverbs every day, along with the calendar. There's 31 chapters. I read one a day every day. I've been doing that for years. And I feel like all the practical wisdom that you want is right there for you. He went on to explain to me what wisdom was. Does anybody want to take a crack at what, what do you think wisdom is? Just shout it out from where you are. What's wisdom? Applied knowledge. That's a good definition. Somebody else want to take a crack at it? No? Okay. Let's go with Jamie's definition. Applied knowledge. That's a good definition. Because knowledge and wisdom oftentimes, even in the Proverbs, are talked about uh, both like independent of each other. So they can't be the same thing. Wisdom is... Skillful living. It's the ability to know what to do, why to do it and when to do it. So knowing something and having knowledge is one thing. Being able to apply that knowledge is what wisdom is. And that's what we all want. Right. So I was told that I should start reading this book. Well, I started reading the book of Proverbs. And what I come to find out is that the book of Proverbs is in the middle of wisdom literature. The wisdom books. These are the five books that are Job and the Psalms and the Proverbs uh, 
and uh, Ecclesiastes, right? Uh, you, you got these books there are called the books of wisdom, actually. And every time I open it up, it's like a tidbit. Oh, man, this is so good. And what I come to find out is that Solomon, David's son, is the one who wrote the book uh, or wrote the book of Proverbs. Many of them, most of them. All right. And you know what I found out about Solomon? Let me read you something about Solomon's life. This is from 1 Kings chapter 4. This is very important, all right? We're almost going to have like a little bit of a quiz at the end on, on this. So hear me out. 1 Kings chapter 4, this is what God's word says about this man who wrote the Proverbs. He said, God gave Solomon great wisdom and understanding and a mind with broad interests. He was famous among all the surrounding nations. In fact, his wisdom excelled to that or excelled that of any of the wise men of the East and above all the people of Egypt. He's the wisest person to live in his time. And it says he was the author of 3,000 Proverbs and 1,005 songs. I saw Solomon as a person who had great responsibility coming after his father, David, and had this uh, call to now reign in a place where he was young and he was dumb. <laughs> And he didn't know what to do. And I saw my life that way. I was 26 years old. I had been married for seven years. I had four children, 99 problems and no idea what I was doing. And that's why I went to everybody and always asked the question, what should I do? How should I? How should I? And I was directed to the book that comprises a lot of God's wisdom. And when we looked at the book of James today, what we see is that right after having told us to count it all joy, and to consider our trials as an opportunity, as an occasion for uh, having joy and uh, considering that we have joy in the midst of adversity because God is maturing our character and training us, right? He's not tempting us to sin. He's training us and he is maturing us. After, after, after looking at that, the very next words is what I want us to read together. Again, on page one in the book of James, Verses five, six, seven, and eight. Let's read those together. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. You guys remember what we said about James? That he's writing to some 20,000 people that are scattered out. They're experiencing their own poverty. They are experiencing persecution and even a famine, which would have been a quote unquote pandemic. They're experiencing these things. And the first thing he says to them within what? 30 words. He has now told them you need to count it as joy when you experience hardship because God's making you mature. And now if you lack wisdom, ask God, but you need to do it by faith because otherwise you're double minded. He cut straight to the chase. He wanted the people who were in not a really comfortable and an easy time with a lot of things stored up and the ability to just uh, go with the flow and be easygoing. He, he was talking to people who had hardships in their lives and he wanted to make sure that they understood. This is 
purely what God has called us to do. As I look through this uh, this week, I figured there's a way for us to walk through it slowly, have three points that will help us all to to apply that and to to seek wisdom. All right, because that's what we call to. We're, we're called to seeking wisdom. So here's our three points. We're going to we're going to say this morning. If you taking notes, you can write this down. That God is calling us to pray for wisdom. That he's calling us to petition for it in faith. And that we should persevere. Um, persevere. Let me give us our last one. Persevere with certainty. Sorry. So pray for wisdom and uh, petition for it by faith and persevere with certainty. Let's take the first point. And um, see where we can go with this. He says, if any of you lack wisdom, the first thing I wanted to say is, hey, do you guys realize that you lack wisdom? We all lack wisdom. I still lack wisdom. It doesn't matter. I've been reading the book of Proverbs for 12 years. I actually haven't been as good about it as I have been in past where it just felt like, man, I've been doing this straight for 10 years. Never stopped. Right. And it's like I still need, I lack wisdom. I lack the ability to know what to do, when to do it, why to do it. Applied knowledge isn't something that is like, oh, I've arrived and I'm some perfect person. It is not true. And so what we have to realize is when he says, if any of you lack wisdom, we should see ourselves in that spot and say, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, that's me. I lack wisdom. I lack wisdom. We learned last week, right, that trials are given to us as this occasion to make us mature in our faith and that God is training us. Uh, and that uh, we're, we're to grow by it. And so the thing is, is when he says lacking wisdom, that wisdom is applied to the statement he just made. It's not something that's independent of various trials. He's saying, if you lack wisdom for how to endure the hardship in your life, if you lack wisdom for how to endure the trials that come upon you unexpectedly and that you can avoid, ask God. You ever feel that way? You feel like I'm being tested. Uh, My patience is being tested. My finances are being tested. My marriage, my family, my my mind, right? My heart, you, you feel my faith is being tested. Sometimes you feel that way. That's a trial. We go through sicknesses. Uh, we, we have all kinds of adversity in life. And James calls us and says, hey, if you lack wisdom, if you lack the ability to apply what you know up here down to your heart and see that your faith that originates here actually expresses itself in your life, then ask God. That's pretty clear, right? That's pretty clear. Do you always do that? Better yet, one of the questions on the website is, what do you usually do when you face trials? What other ways do you look for help? What do you seek out? How do you respond to adversity that comes to your life? We should see that we lack wisdom and and therefore we should realize that any and everyone can have wisdom. You see the next thing that he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. You can have it. Wisdom is is available to you, right? Suffering and pain is not really the issue. Our ability to learn and to grow in the midst of those trials is what's being uh, brought to bear. 
And, and the truth is, is our ability to learn and to grow in the midst of our trials is determined by the way in which we receive wisdom from God to endure and persevere through our trials and to learn and to grow from that. So that should that should cause us to like rush to him. Right. Um, we, we've talked a lot about this over the summer and, and some of you have heard this, but two things happened this week. Jamie kept reciting to me something that she thinks about. When it comes to trials, she kept saying, you know, trials are really the soil. Last night, we're talking all the way to midnight. And she was talking about that. Just reminding like trials are the soil. You know, when something grows and it's mature and it has deep roots and and, and it is is something that is uh, it becomes immovable and uh, and, and um, unshakable. That's because the soil that it has uh, had an opportunity to grow in has been what? It's been healthy soil. Well, healthy soil in the life of a Christian is a is a soil of trials. Man, does that sound sadistic? Sound like I'm saying something that's like, man, where's the good news in that, right? But the, the, it's just the truth. The truth is, is that in a fallen world where everything went wrong, we're not going to have good. We have people on our Zoom call today who would love to be here and absolutely cannot get out of the bed and come. I have in my notes that Judy also Judy preached my sermon to me on Friday. She wasn't here last week and she wasn't on Zoom. You know where we were? We're at a graveside funeral for her father. Krista's grandfather, Al and Judy are there. Few people celebrating the life of a man who came to Christ at nine years old in 1929 and lived for 91 years, a life of faith, uh, 91 more years and died at 100 last week. We're standing there, and this is what Judy said to us right after the funeral. She said, I'm just so reminded that the trials we face in this world are what mold and shape our character. And I was encouraged this week as I, were, I listened to Elizabeth Elliot, and she said, suffering hurried me to God. I said, man, I like that. I, I appreciate that. I, suffering is what rushes me to God. You know, when things are going good, you don't even think about praying oftentimes. Is it true or not true? Some of y'all know how to change oil and change brakes. Like I'm the guy, I'll be running around going crazy saying, Lord, I need wisdom. I don't know what to do. Right. But you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that. If somebody called you, Mike, or so, somebody called you, Sean and said, Hey, I flushed a, a, a towel down the toilet and I got this backed up. That really happened over here. All right. So <laughs> I, I need help. You wouldn't even blink. You come through, you hook everything up because you're a plumber and you know what to do. Right. Oftentimes when we feel like we have the knowledge and we have also grown in a certain way to achieve the skillful living, there are things that we don't go for. in our faith. It really is not that way. We endure all kinds of tests and trials and we have to constantly keep coming back and saying, God, I need you. I need your wisdom. I need you to show me. I need you to grow me. And so when she says suffering hurried me to God, I was reminded of Hebrews chapter four that tells us that we can receive grace and we can receive mercy in our time of need. When you suffer, oftentimes rushing to or hurrying to God is kind of that vehicle, right? That soil that Jamie talks about where it's like, hey, you know what? This is the moment where I go and say, God, I really need wisdom. I don't know what to do. I think that's pretty clear. Here's something that we should understand as we say that we should pray for, uh, pray for wisdom. We should understand that God actually has wisdom. He will give us wisdom and he'll give us grace, too. You saw that in your text. If you look back to verse number five, 
it says, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will. Does it say it may? Does it say it might? No, it says what? It will be given to him. Right? You guys follow me, right? All right. Uh, good. I'm, I'm glad to have a, a hallelujah, uh, Harry and, and, and amen, Annie. Right. Or I guess she'd be over there. But <laughs> I, I, we outside and we together. I want y'all to talk back. All right. So look, James really wants to draw our, our attention to two things that God is uh, trustworthy and God is kind. That's the best way that I could uh, make that simple for us. God is not like the people that you have dealt with and maybe even li not like you. I keep comparing this to me myself uh, in a lot of ways. When I looked, it said, God, we, we can ask him and he gives it to us generously and he does so without reproach. I thought about the fact that my children often ask me for things and it's not always that they feel as though I am like uh, definitely going to give it to them. It doesn't always feel to them that I'm going to do it without reproach. You know, that word re for reproach actually means to uh, to like find fault in a person to the degree that you can demean them. You know what that looks like with me and my children sometimes being honest with you? How many times do I have to tell you? Sure. What do you what do you think you should do? Or it's what my mom used to always do to me. Hey, mom, can I do this? You say, can you? Sometimes we do that. We're not perfect. We're not God. Somebody's asking for wisdom who depends on you. A child to a parent is asking for something. And oftentimes we just can be so impatient. James is telling us, hey, if you lack wisdom, you can go to go to God. And he's not like you. He's trustworthy. And he's kind to you without reproach, without being the kind of person that would demean you. He's not going to come and hit you over the head and say, how many times do I have to ask you that? I skipped that word generously because I want you guys to zero in on this. Why don't you circle that for me? Circle that if you got uh, a, a pen. Circle generously. And there, there's two words that I think could uh, better capture what's being said. One is wholeheartedly. Just write wholeheartedly. Right? Another way to say it is like without second thought. Ask God for wisdom if you need it. He gives it to you wholeheartedly, not half-heartedly. Like the person, me, myself, that I just described, that even though I might help at times, even with my children, I would be the kind of person that's prone to like, man, I got to tell you this again. He's not only saying generously here, what he's actually doing is he's making a comparison and drawing a contrast between the half-hearted, doubting person that is described in the verses below. I think that, you know, as, as, as our experiences oftentimes in life are with people that we have to come to and ask them for help or people who even offer themselves to help us. This is what it looks like in a fallen world. You guys tell me whether or not you, you say this is true. They want to help you. They want to serve you. But sometimes and it happens within families and it happens within friendships. What happens is they do it from a superior place that demeans you and makes you feel less than. Or they do it in a, in a way that, that insults you in the process. They don't ascribe dignity to you. They make you feel like a lesser than. 
God is not that way. What James wants us to see is this, and this is good news. God doesn't give to us the wisdom that we need in the midst of trials, which may even been brought on us by our own shortcomings and sins. He doesn't give to us based on our worthiness, y'all. God is trustworthy and he doesn't give to us based on our merit or something that we do. That's why it says generously and without reproach. If you just ask him to help you, he will do that and you can trust him. That's such good news. Such good news. It also is telling us that he doesn't withhold from us, blessing us with the character that we need because we ask too much or we ask too often. You think God would say, man, you haven't got it by now. You've been dealing with that. You, you can kick that habit. It's been 15 years and you're still talking about that same thing. Don't come at me with that. You think God is that way? God's not that way. James says you can come to him and you can ask him. He gives to you generously, wholeheartedly, without even second thought, because that's his nature as a wholehearted person. He's not half hearted like the doubting man like you and I even may be. His giving is given to us and it's governed by his goodness, his own nature, not ours, because he's trustworthy and God is kind. That's like the message. <laughs> Let me rush through these last two points. Nothing else really even matters. If you understand that God is trustworthy and kind this morning and that in whatever you're struggling with and whatever you're dealing with, no matter how small or insignificant it feels to you, like, oh, I'm not going to ask God about this because like he doesn't care about my finances. He doesn't care about, you know, what I should eat today. He doesn't care about that. Or you feel like, oh, man, I don't want to go to God with this because I can't even believe I've done that. I got so much shame. No, neither one of those categories are real. God is trustworthy and he's kind. And if you lack wisdom for how to navigate the circumstance that you find yourself in, go to him and ask him for wisdom and he'll get it. He'll give it to you. The second one, if you remember, was petition in faith. Verse number six, but that's a big, but <laughs> y'all heard that, huh? All right. No lie. <laughs> but let him ask in faith. Faith is like being, uh, having it like reason to the point where I'm fully, fully, fully persuaded. And I believe this. This isn't about naming it and claiming it either. This is about trust. I've come to trust and I've come to the persuasion that God is trustworthy and God is kind. And so when I ask him to help me in the middle of my circumstances, I actually believe that. And I know that I can be uh, that it's sure that he will do it. That he will do it. Do you believe that God can give you the help that you need in whatever the circumstance you're in right now? Yeah. What about this side? <laughs> I'm sure y'all talking at home, right? If you do, you know what you'll do? Back to that Hebrews passage that I only read a little bit of. Hebrews chapter, Hebrews chapter four, you'll, you, you'll come to him with a complete trust and a confidence. Listen to the whole verse. Hebrews four, chapter 16 says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. Some of the Bibles will say boldly. And it says, so that we may receive mercy and find grace in our time of need. It doesn't say go fix yourself up first. It doesn't say uh, wait until you have figured it out on your own or go back to the notes. You know, you wrote that down. 
in the Colossians journal on page 33. Go figure it out on your own. No, it doesn't say that. It says in your time of need, go confidently to God, go boldly to him and he'll give you, you'll find mercy and you'll find grace. So, so the thing is, is like, this is just something that I, it's calling me to say, remember, like this is about our ability to have joy even when we don't feel joy. Hard things are in your life. Difficulty has come. You're struggling. If you have, if you lack wisdom with how to have joy and count it as an opportunity for you to grow, ask God for wisdom and he'll give it to you. And ask with faith. That's where our last point comes from that says persevere with certainty. Do you see the contrast that he just drew? Let's read it again. In fact, how about somebody else out here? Read six, seven, and eight. Just read it loudly for me. James chapter one, verse six, seven, and eight. Thank you. Thank you, Gary, for y'all on the camera that may not have heard him. I think it's perfect that that man spoke about this. You know why? Because he just said, if you don't if you don't believe that God will give it to you, you're like the surf of the sea. That's our guy. Did you go surfing this morning? Did you go surfing yesterday? Oh, man, you off your game. <laughs> hey, our resident surfer is reminding us and giving us an illustration. If you are the kind of person that asks God for wisdom, but you really doubt that he'll give it to you. It's not even talking about the fact that you doubt like whether or not like you it, like you have a certain uh, kind of an insecurity. It's not that it's saying like you doubt his trustworthiness. If you ask God and you don't even believe that he can help you in it, you're like the surf of the sea, always changing, always up and down blown by the wind, unpredictable. You're just moving from this to that and clashing back and forth. And you know what? He uses this word double-minded, which means that you have like two souls. You have like two selves. It's not even just that you are all up in your head, but like you, you're a walking war on the inside. You have a believing man who says, I can ask God. And then you have the unbelieving man who says, but God ain't good and God's not trustworthy and God's not kind. So he's not going to help me. You'll be like that individual if you ask, but you doubt who God is. And you shouldn't expect that God would ever give you anything. I wrote down here. Let me be clear. If you are double minded or you ask, but you doubt God even cares to help you, then you should never expect God to help you. That's a warning, but it also is just like a loving uh, challenge to a person that's learning this and saying like, oh, okay, cool. So I can trust God. Well, then I'm going to ask him and I'm going to ask, uh, uh, I'm going to ask in faith. <laughs> so James is calling us to an unwavering confidence in God that's uninfluenced by adversity. It's not like the waves because the winds blow. I was looking for all kinds of illustrations and I came up to 2015, you long-term Ventura residents. Remember when you have 15 foot waves and it broke the pier and it's like, you can see pictures of the water covering everything down there from beach house tacos all the way back. And you see all kinds of flooding and things like that, right? Like that was because of the wind, something that's invisible, but that the water could not stand up against. That's what we're told not to be like. We're told to be sure. And we're told not to be divided in ourselves. That same word for double-minded is, is used in James chapter 2 to talk about division that can come up when a church, in a church when you are 
divisive because you're partial to the rich over against the poor. And now it causes a party loyalty. You're on one side or you're on the other. It says that you'll be divided in yourself like that if you're a doubting person when you ask. Right? No fixed belief, no direction. God says, don't be that way. He tells us, hey, persevere and endure. Keep going, star. Keep going, star. You've been doing this three years. Keep going, star. Right? Keep going and go to God and go to him over and over and over again. Badger him. Jamie was talking about that. I've been telling people I'm badgering God. Just like I keep on going back and asking for the same thing over and over and over again. That is totally permissible and it's absolutely welcome because God loves you. Prior to 1 Kings chapter 4 comes 1 Kings chapter 3. Remember I read about Solomon? And I said I relate to him. Let me read to you 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. Solomon loved the Lord and he followed all of his father David's instructions, except he continued to make sacrifices at the high places. Solomon loved the Lord and he continued to follow his father David, except he continued to make sacrifices at the high places. High places where idol worship happened, Canaanite practices. Uh, some, some of you know who Baal is or Baal, right? You got the God of fertility. You got the God of the thunder, God of rain. Solomon loved the Lord Yahweh, the creator of heaven and earth, but he kept sacrificing to mm. idols. Mm. I relate to Solomon, I'm telling you. My heart is, is idolatrous. And you know how I find comfort in that? Looking at his life, we see first Kings chapter four. He became the most wise person. First Kings chapter three basically tells us that he was a fool. But you know what follows that? It says this. The Lord appeared to him in a dream and told him to ask for anything that he wanted and it would be given to him. And you know what Solomon said in so many words? I want you to go back. If you have to Google it, just type in first Kings three. Even if you don't know where it is in your Bible, I want you to look at this tonight. In so many words, two things happened. Solomon woke up from his dream and said, you are trustworthy and you are kind. And then he said, can I have wisdom? And God gave him more wisdom than anybody else. That's how you come to first Kings chapter four. I believe that some of us here today, some of us online, some of us here in person, some of us here are older and some of us who are younger actually need to ask God for wisdom. And we need to see that Solomon was the kind of person who was given it, but he was not perfect. And so we need to be encouraged that we can actually come to God and he will give us what we need. Is that encouraging to you? Will you trust him by faith and go to him and ask him, ask, say, God, help me. God, I need you. Give me the grace, Lord, to endure this, to suffer well through this to not run from you because I think my trials are trouble, but to run towards you in them because I know my trials are training me and giving me an occasion to grow in Christ likeness. Can I pray for you? Can I pray for me? Let's pray together. And let's pray and ask God to make this true of us. God, we do believe that you will give us wisdom 
And we do believe that you will help us to have applied knowledge and, and skillful living. To know what to do is one thing, but to know why to do it and when to do it is a whole nother thing. We need that from you, Lord. And more than believing that we need that, that today is our profession to say, we believe that you are trustworthy and you are kind and that you will give it to us. If we ask you and we don't doubt, help us, Lord. We feel like the man who Jesus walked up to and said, he said, I, I, I have been suffering this way all of my life and uh, no one cares about me in so many words. And Jesus turned to him and he said, do you want to be healed? Oftentimes we are like that man. And all we can say is, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I ask you, Lord, this morning that you would help us in our unbelief, help us in our doubting and, 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 and teach us, Lord, and, and assist us by giving us wisdom. Those of us who've been walking with you for a number of years and those of you who might be brand new for help us. Lord, we just had children baptized. Right. Uh, we have we have Tammy on the, on online who is constantly expressing her new faith. We just have Mike who is baptized and made a new profession of faith. And, and then we have some of us who uh, maybe we haven't lived for 91 years with Jesus, like Alan Judy's father. But we've been walking with you for a long time. All of us still need wisdom. God, would you give it to us? Give us grace and we'll be thankful for it. We'll remember God to keep an attitude of gratitude and give glory to you in it. In Jesus name. Amen.